And uh, last week I shared with you about relating to God's word. You know, and, and specifically, uh, you know, and I shared some about what I mean by that. But uh, let me give you a natural example. And I used this last week, but it still bodes well for communication, which is this, is how uh, you relate to money determines how you spend your money or what you do with your money. How you relate to it might make you a saver. It might make you a spender. It might make you impulsive. It might make you, you know, a cheapskate. You know, that you're, I mean, because it's like, hey, I just don't like spending money. So, you know, but, uh, you know, and, and even how you relate to money, you may even be somebody who says, I would rather save my money to buy something better because I want it to last. Like, let me, let me just take a poll. How many of you hate buying something a second time? Yeah. It's like, I would rather just buy something good the first. Well, that's why. But that also, to a degree, speaks to how you relate to money. I would rather buy something that's quality than something that'll just get me by today. And so it's how you relate to those things. And so even with people, how you relate to people will affect how you interact with them and talk with them and associate with them and all those types of things. And yet even how we relate to God's word affects what we do with God's word. It affects if we just, you know, if it's just kind of there, but not really applicable to our lives or something that we can actually do and to bring into our life. And so, you know, I shared with you out of John chapter 1 last week, the idea is that, you know, the Bible says in the beginning was the Word and the Word was God, it was with God, that, you know, and it says that nothing in all of creation was made except by the Word. You know, and so, and of course, that speaking of Jesus is that, you know, the Bible even says uh, later on there in verse 14 that Jesus was the Word made flesh and came to dwell among us. And so we see this and we understand, but it goes on and it talks about that Christ was full of grace and truth. He didn't, you know, sacrifice truth at the altar of grace. He was full of both. And, you know, and part of what I believe is that when we see, part of what I believe that that is really speaking to is the idea is that any time that we're faced with a truth in the Scriptures or a truth from the Word of God, that God's grace will come to empower us to walk in that truth. Amen. Now, you can let that just kind of like, ah, oh, yeah, that's a good thing, you, whatever you just said. Yeah, that's great. If you see a truth in God's Word, let me say it another way. If you're challenged by God's Word in an area of your life, the grace of God is also equally there in that moment for what? For that truth to now sink into your life so that you can walk in the truth in every area of your life. I mean, that's why the Bible says that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Why? Because it's not just the truth by itself, but it's what comes with that, which is the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the grace of God in our life that, Lord, I see that this area of my life may not be what it needs to be, but I see that it can be different because I see truth in the Word that tells me that it will produce something in my life. Now, we looked at this last week, so I'm just kind of giving you a little... Well, let me give you this quote. This is a statement that I made last week. Is that God's Word brings His grace... And I share with you the idea, if you need more of God's grace in an area of your life, how do you get more of God's grace? You get into His Word. God's Word brings light, brings revelation. It brings His ability into our life. The Bible, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Well, it's not just hearing with our natural ears. It actually means that faith comes by comprehending or grabbing hold of or coming to a place of understanding of God's Word. That's where faith begins to rise. 
And so God's word brings his grace that we access by faith. You know, sometimes I've had to act in faith about the word of God before I ever saw anything change. That's what faith is. I'm going to move in a direction that I believe is the right thing, but yet I don't see anything yet. That's the way faith operates. But we access, or God's word will bring uh, his grace, and we access that by our faith in his word. Why? Because that will produce God's desired result in our life. I mean, I like to think of it this way, is that God is a tinkerer. Everybody know what that means? He always likes to mess with stuff. He's always just, he can always just, and God will, is that way. Why? Because he always wants the best for us. Well, what's the best? Better than what I got right now. God's always got something better for me. And, it, you know, even in areas of my life where I may have battled through in the past, it says, hey, I've got even more freedom for you. Yeah, I have more strength for you. I have more joy for you. I have more of my life that I want to pour into your life. And so I shared this with you last week, but I believe that God's grace is very simply this. It's his ability in us to accomplish his purpose in our hearts and our lives. I'm not trying to produce God's grace in my life. I have to cooperate with God's grace in my life. You know, and I shared with you, even the Apostle Paul, he said, look, even though that he said, I've done all these things, he says, but it's not me, it's the grace of God in me that's producing his work in my life. And the same is true for us. And so... Uh, we looked at another verse in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. And it, Paul was commending a, a, a group of believers. And he said that you welcome um, the word, not as the word of mere men, but as it was truly the word of God, which is effectually at work or continually at work in those who believe. In other words, in those who have faith in the word, the word continually is at work in them. So if we'll continue to have faith, trust, actual, um, and the Amplified Bible says it this way, is that those who would lean upon the Word of God. It means they step outside of themselves and they lean into the Word so that what? So that that Word can work in our hearts, work in our lives. That's what God wants to do. I quoted this verse last week, but I didn't give you the reference, so I thought I would this week. Is that, and let me give you the backstory. It comes out of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. But it's really talking about the children of Israel when God had given them the promise that he was going to take them into the promised land. That's the context of this verse. Because, you know, I mean, and many of us know the story, but pop quiz, how many spies were there? How many? How many of them came back with a good report? Two. Did God say he had a promised land for ten? What did he say? He had a promised land for what? The children of Israel. So God had given his word. God had spoke his truth. Let me say it like this. In the context of what we're talking about. God says, look, I'm going to give you by my grace. Look, I'm going to give you a cloud by day. I'm going to give you a pillar by night. To what? To give you shade during the day. To give you warmth at night. And you're going to know I'm leading you. Why? Because my grace will show you the way. And when you get up against an impossible situation, my grace is going to what? Part the Red Sea and you're going to walk across on dry ground. Those are all pictures of God's grace. They couldn't shade themselves and they couldn't keep themselves warm and they definitely couldn't part the Red Sea. But did the Red Sea just part on its own? No. What? Moses had to act, right? God said, Moses, this is how this is going to work. 
You're going to walk up there on that rock. You're going to raise up your arm with your staff. And as long as you hold your arm up, I will part this sea. And of course, some other people had to come. Aaron and, and her had to come and uphold his arms. Why? Because he began to get weary. But yet, there was a million people trying to walk across the Red Sea. So it took a little while. And yet, it wasn't in... But Moses didn't part that sea either. He was just a part of the story. See, and so many times I think that we try to make God's promises come about in our life. And in doing so, we aren't aren't really aware or mindful that, hey, it's God's grace that all along, I get to be a part of the story, but God's the one who who is doing the work. And so many of us know the story is that, you know, of all those spies and all of those people, it said all those who lived in unbelief, who didn't trust God's word, did what? They died in the wilderness. Now, here in Hebrews, it gives us an understanding of why as to what happened. And so, it says here in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. I'm sorry, Brooke, I'm reading out of a different translation. Hold on, let me get over here. Y'all might, I don't know, y'all might not have noticed it, but I just noticed it. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, New Living Translation. It says, for this good news that God had prepared this rest. What was the rest he's talking about here? The promised land. He had promised them that there would be rest for them. And it says, uh, has been announced to us just as it was to them. So, the writer of Hebrews is saying, look, God spoke to them about a rest that would be available to them. But he's also saying, hey, there's also been a rest that's been spoken to us as new covenant believers. And it says, but it did them no good because they didn't share faith or the faith of those who listened to God. Now, other places would say it this way, is that they did not mix faith with the word that was spoken. So we have to mix our faith, that our trust, with the word of God. Why? So that it can produce God's desired results in our life. But really what it is, is we have to mix our faith with God's grace so that God can work in our life. Right? Well, it's a, This isn't a hard concept to understand. But is God's grace concerning salvation available to all people right now? Yes. Yes. Is everybody saved? What's the missing ingredient? Faith in Christ. Think about what the Bible says. Is that with with, um, the heart man believes, but confession is made with the mouth. Well, what is that confession? It's a confession of faith. I believe Jesus is who he is. Says he is. And so grace is available right now to everybody. It doesn't matter what you're dealing with right now. God's grace is available to you right now. To overcome whatever it is. But yet that doesn't mean that it's automatically going to bring it about God's desire in our lives. Why? Because we have a part to play. There's a cooperation that has to take place. And it's a lot of times it comes down to how we relate to God's word. Amen. How we view it. How we connect to it. And, and so it's important that we understand these things. And, and so we have to see that there is a component where we are involved. God's will is not just going to, by his sovereign will, just going to come about in our lives. No, he, you know, the Bible talks about in Isaiah, I believe it's chapter 1, about verse 19. It says that if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. So you can't just be willing. 
you got to be obedient too. We looked at this and it, that, that same thought is kind of echoed there in James chapter 1 that we looked at last week. It says that, man, that this word has the ability, verse 25 of James chapter 1, that the word of God has the ability to save your soul, but it's not automatic. I mean, you know, we all can choose at what level we want to experience salvation right now. We can, because I can choose to walk in ignorance if I want to. I can refuse to walk in truth if I want to. Just because I hear it doesn't mean that I grab hold of it or that I apply my faith to it. And say, God's truth, I believe, is my truth. I have to take this as my own just as he, because just because he says it doesn't mean it's automatic. Now let me show you another verse here in John chapter 15. And I want to give you uh, just a few things tonight about this. This is a familiar passage of scripture. But in John chapter 15, starting, we'll just start in verse 1. Jesus speaking says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. Says he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that bear fruit so that they will produce even more fruit. So sometimes we may get challenged by God's word. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it can feel like if, if we allow the enemy to really get in, that somehow we're in trouble. Like because we get convicted by the word, it's like, oh man, I've missed the mark. Well, not according to scripture. You could be doing everything right. And God says, look, you're bearing fruit, but I need to prune you because I want more fruit to come. Nothing's wrong, but I want to do more than what you currently experience. And so he will bring some correction. He'll bring some pruning into our life. Why? So that we can produce more. Even I like the way it says here in the um, New Living Translation. So that you'll produce even more. Even more than what? Than what you are right now. Now he goes on here in verse 3, and, he, and, it, because, and it gives us very clearly the way God does this. He says, you have already been pruned and purified by the message or by the word that I have given you. God uses his word to correct. God uses his word to what? To give us instruction and understanding concerning our lives. You know, but again, we have to put faith there. We have to apply our faith to what God wants to do. Now drop down to verse 9 of this same chapter here. And Jesus continues. You know, and you can go back and read this. I would encourage you to. Um, well, let me just read you something else here. Because this is good anyways. Verse 7, he says, If you remain in me and my word remains in you, you can ask whatever you want and it will be granted. He didn't just say you get anything you want. He says, if my word if your relation to the Word of God is proper, even when I'm, you know, we were just talking about this even in the area of giving. When I have an understanding of what God's Word says about my tithes and my offerings, now I have a context of which to say, God, I pray that you will bless me. Not so that I can have more stuff, but so that I can be a greater blessing. It's the context of God's Word that gives me the wisdom to know how to pray, to approach God properly to ask for His blessing. I know that's a mouthful. It matters how we relate to God's word. Ultimately, how we relate to his word is how we relate to him. If we look at this Bible like a taskmaster, that's what we look at God like. He's just waiting on me to mess up so that he can thump me. But yet his word says that he loves me. 
And He does correct and He does prune and He brings things into my life. Why? But it's always for my betterment. It's never because He's angry. The Bible says that His anger was satisfied in Christ. And what a powerful truth. God's not mad at us. The Bible says He poured out all of His wrath upon Christ. Therefore, he's no longer angry with me. Therefore, I'm not trying to go to an angry father or a disappointed father to convince him to be kind to me. He loves me according to Scripture. And if I'll rightly relate to it, because I know he loves me, it gives me no reason not to go to him and say, Lord, I need help. I need strength. I need your ability to come alive in me. But it can't, it's got to move even beyond just that prayer. It's a good thing to pray, and we ought to. But if all we do is go to God and just say, God, help me, God, help me, God, help me. Let me say it like this. God has helped us. Faith mixed with the word of God, faith mixed with the grace of God will produce what God wants in our lives. So even once I prayed, I have a responsibility to what? To go find out what God is speaking to me about those areas of my life. Why? Because God's word is God's truth, which brings about God's grace to help me. Yes, God will work, but God works through his word. His grace will work for us. Now it goes on here in verse 9. And it says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. He says, remain in my love. So Jesus has given us an understanding. Hey, if you're going to relate to God properly, you've got to understand that you are loved. He says, remain. In verse 10, he says, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. So how do you remain in the love of God? You obey his word. He says, just as I obey my Father's commandments and I remain in His love. In verse 11, He says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. What a powerful promise. You realize that's a promise from Scripture to you right there? That God says, your joy will overflow. He goes on in verse 12 and He says, This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. In other words, Jesus says, Look, I've set a pattern for you to follow. Do what I do. He says in verse 13, There is no greater love than to lay your life down or to lay one's life down for one's friends. Verse 14, He says, You are my friends if you do what I command. Other translations say it this way, If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now, this is one of the things that's so foundational to what we believe. But again, there's got to be some follow through and some follow up with this word. Jesus didn't say, follow my suggestions. Right? It's not what he said. Jesus didn't say, follow what I say and consider it. Maybe you want to do this. Maybe you don't. He says, Do my commandments. God's word is not like a subtle suggestion. God means what he says. And he is the author of life. And he says this is the way that life should work. It's according to God's word. And yet many people treat God's word like it's a suggestion book. And they wonder why God's word doesn't really speak to them. 
Jesus is giving an understanding here. He says, look, if you love me, you'll do my commandments. Not out of pressure or guilt. It's out of love that I keep the commandments. Like in a natural sense. Derek could say, you better be faithful to me. Right? I'm your wife. You committed to me. And she could pressure me to be honorable by her. But something is much better than that, which is, I love her, therefore I'm faithful to her. She doesn't have to put the parameters on me because I love her. See, now the motivation is totally different. I mean, you know, there's a verse, you know, along the same line in the book of Job where the Bible says that Job made a covenant that he would not look lustfully on another woman. In other words, he said this way, all my eyes are for my wife. I ain't got eyes for all these other women, all these other... Why? But it was out of love for his wife. Well, that's the same context that Jesus is saying here. Not because you're required to, but because you want to, you will keep my commandments. Because you love and because you, you truly uh, understand what that means. And Jesus says, if you, and he's saying that, if you love me, you'll do what I say. I don't, want to, I don't want to dictate to Dara how she's going to do anything. I don't want her doing it to me. I want to say because I love you. You know, like I'll give you just a natural example. This, we had a joke the other night. But when we were dating, I went to a ballet with her. That was the last place on the planet that I wanted to be. I'll just tell you. I feel the exact same way today. 14 years later. I don't remember what's longer than that. But I went. Why? Because I love her. There's things that she could care less about. But she does because she loves me. And I enjoy those things. You know, I mean, she ain't going to go fish by herself. But she'll go fish with me as long as she ain't got to touch a fish. (laughs) There are some limits to that love. You know, she just throws it over towards me and says, here you go. (laughs) But she even does something sometimes. Why? Just because she loves me. And I do the same for her. So there are times that I do things that I would probably rather not do. Why? It's out of love, not because I have to. See, and that's what we have to understand even here because the way it says it is that if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Well, that sounds somewhat harsh. But really the heart behind it is is that if out of love for God and out of really thankfulness for who he is to us and for us, now I'm motivated to walk in light of Scripture, to walk in light of His commandments. Now, there is a side of this, you know, that that there is some truth. Is that God just says, hey, here's my commandments. Now, the ultimate commandment of the New Testament is what? To love. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. It actually says that all the Old Testament commandments hang on these two things. So if you want to fulfill all the Old Testament, if you want to fulfill even the Ten Commandments, just walk in love. You ever tried to walk in love in the flesh? It's pretty hard. It's pretty challenging. So even in that, okay, I see the truth of God's Word that says I'm supposed to love all people. But there's also an awareness in me that says I don't think I can do that all the time. And yet if there's a truth, there's also a grace that will accompany that truth. To walk in that truth. 
And I've had that happen. I mean, even in situations that me and Derry have experienced in the years, I'd be fired up about something and then I get in front of them and all of a sudden she says, you become like Jesus. You were hacked off and ticked off and ready to give them a piece of your mind and tell them what you really thought. And she's like, I was ready to back you up and amen you the whole time. And then you got in there and you're all gracious and kind and sweet. She's all fired up, got her blood pressure raised up. And she's like, I don't know what happened to you. The grace of God. I stepped out of my flesh because we all got one. I stepped out of my flesh, stepped into the grace of God in my life because I would be a very mean-hearted pastor if I didn't know how to do that. Probably wouldn't be a pastor. Why? Because nobody would follow. They're like, that dude's mean. But you've got to learn how to tap into God's grace, God's ability, but you've also got to See the truth of God's word to get you and to get you to those places. And so even the word commandment, it really means an order or a charge. And I thought this was interesting. It says that it's an order which is prescribed to one by reason of his office or position. In other words, think military terms. A general doesn't say, go over there. And he doesn't come back and say, hey, did y'all go? No, because of his position, they better have gone. That's a commandment. Well, that's the way that even Jesus, as he speaks to us, even through the word, as, it's, as it challenges areas of our life. You know, I said this last week, and I'll repeat it because it's worth repeating, is that it's one thing to just read scripture. It's another thing when it begins to read you. Why? Because when it begins to read you, there's some conviction that comes. God doesn't condemn us. But he definitely brings some conviction. You know, it's like the old saying, you know, and I've never had the Holy Spirit use these words, but I've definitely had the impression that this is what he was saying. Jesus, you better straighten up and fly right. I've definitely felt the Lord stir something in me, and it's like, hey, that doesn't bring glory to me, and I'm not pleased with that attitude. So I need you to fix that. Well, he's not telling me to fix it on my own. He's saying, go get scripture. Why? Because that truth will bring about God's grace in my life. That will enable me now to live in that truth. It's not just that it's in me inherently. No, it's that God, I'm resting and trusting in your word. You know, Deuteronomy chapter 28. This is the list of all the blessings of God. And it says in verse 1. Let me read this out of the New King James Version. I like it the way it words it a little better. He says, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord. Let me say this another word for, this will be more in our context. If you will diligently obey the word of the Lord. Diligently obey the, uh, the word of the Lord your God to observe carefully all of his commandments, which I command you today. That the Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations and all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Now you got to remember, when this was spoken, there was not a Bible. They had scrolls, but they had a scroll. They didn't have lots of scrolls. I mean, the idea of like being able to print is still fairly a new idea in human history. Gutenberg didn't invent the press until just a few hundred years ago. Yet we have thousands of years of human history. So if there was copies, they had to be handwritten. 
So when this, there was these scrolls, the original scrolls. Well, we have God's Word that is written. And, and, you know, I mean, I don't know how many Bibles I have on this little app. I don't know. I bet I've got 15. I can carry it with me all the time. I don't just have one version. I've got a bunch of versions. I mean, I've got people's opinions on people's opinion about the Bible. You know, I mean, I've got all kinds of stuff. So we're very blessed and very fortunate. And yet, the simple truth is still, do we walk in obedience of God's Word? Because when we walk in obedience, it brings about blessings. And it has everything to do with how I relate to God's Word. Is God's Word a suggestion to me? That's how I relate to it. And some people do. Well, I like that part. I'm going to take that part. But that part of there, I'm not so sure about. I don't really like that. That part tells me I can't do what I want. I don't like that part. That part tells me I'm going to be nice to people, even when they're ugly to me. No, nah, I ain't doing that. Jesus, I love you. It's questionable about them, though. But yet, what does Jesus say? Look, if you'll walk in light of Scripture, if you'll walk in light of truth, it brings about more of God's grace in your life. It, 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 and here it talks about that these blessings would come upon you. Now, let me give you just a practical example of this. Because I believe this one here applies to, to many people and many times. But it's, you know, and it's not anything new or anything. But here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Now, Jesus has given a lot of instructions here. But in verse 25, he says... Um, now, he's talking about money and all of these things but before that. But he goes on here in verse 25 and he says, That is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life. Yep. Well, here's a simple question. How many people deal with worry every day? How many believers are concerned about today? They have anxiety. They have stress. Now, what is he talking about here? He's talking about God's provision. God's faithfulness. Is what he's really talking about in this passage of scripture. He says don't worry. Don't take an anxious thought. I believe the Amplified Bible says. About your everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink and enough clothes to wear. He says isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? I love this in verse 27. Because this is just so true and yet. It's so challenging. He says, can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? I mean, medically, they've proven that worry actually shortens your life. So, not only does worry not add to it, you actually lose some time. Medically speaking. So, Jesus says, look, you shouldn't worry, but what does your worry bring about? I mean, many times we worry about things that are completely out of our control. Because we worry about or for other people. What's all your worry going to do for them? You can't control them, nor their choices. Now, you can pray for them, and that's much better than worrying for them. Because your prayers are inviting God to work in them, but ultimately they got to make some decisions. And yet, sometimes people are completely overwhelmed. With worry, anxiety, even concerning other people. Verse 31. 
He says, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? He says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. He says, in verse 33, so seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything that you need. So you may be in a circumstance or a situation that maybe there's provision questions. God, I don't know if we're going to have enough. God, I don't know what may be going on. You may be concerned or have uh, you know, a lot of anxiety concerning where you find yourself at. And yet the Bible says and gives us the instruction. says, look, don't worry about anything. Why? Because it won't make a hill of beans as to your situation. But he does say, is that, look, what's the key ingredient? It's focus. Seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. In other words, God's ways of doing and being right. I mean, the Bible tells us to take all of our cares and cast them upon him. Jesus, in other places, come to me, you all, all you who are weary and heaven laid, and I will give you rest for your souls. Take upon my yoke, for it's not heavy or burdensome, but it is light. That's what the word of God says to us. So when we're dealing with worry, what do we need? A word that says, hey, God can be trusted with what worries me. And so walking in light of Scripture says, okay, God, you said to bring you everything that would concern me. And so now, Lord, as I'm praying, God, I'm going to walk in the light of your Scripture. And I'm going to, Lord, I'm casting all of this care, all of this worry, all of this anxiety. But in exchange for that, I'm asking you for the rest that you said you would give me. Another way of saying that is, God, I'm going to ask you for the grace that you said you would pour out in my life. If I'll lay down those things that are weighing me down, you said that you would pour out your grace in my life. Well, I have to access that by faith. Because it's not like all of a sudden in that moment, like all the weight just lifts and everything's great. No, I have to start walking. Lord, I just thank you that you're at work in that situation. It might be a week later. Nothing's changed. Lord, I thank you. You're at work in that situation for me. Nothing's changing. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm moved by what I believe. My faith is not determined by my circumstances. It is based upon my promises. It'll change the way you talk. It'll change the way you think. Why? Because I'm relating properly to God's word. My circumstances are not dictating my faith. My faith will dictate my circumstances. But it's not my faith necessarily. It is the grace of God. But my faith is an agent that is the catalyst to the grace of God in my life and in your life. So these are a couple of areas that I can give you just a couple of examples quickly. One we've already touched on is the areas of stress and anxiety and worry. The Bible speaks. Go read Psalms 23. God will prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Doesn't mean I don't have them. I'm just pull up a chair at the table, guys. I'm gonna now. He says I'm, that the Lord would feed me in the presence. He's gonna bring me a feast. He's gonna supply for me, even when they're staring at me in the face. You know, I mean, people get stressed out just in the natural. You know, to the point where sometimes they're like, "Oh, I don't have an appetite." Well, yet Psalms 23 says, "Oh, I see you." 
But you're not going to affect me. And as a matter of fact, the Lord's going to feed me right in the middle of that moment. You know, and so we have those things. Another area would be, and I've already mentioned this one, but loving others. You want to challenge your faith, just commit. Just, Lord, I'm going to walk in your love towards every person I come in contact with. Even the ones I don't like. Even the ones I share a name with. If you can love your family, you can love about anybody. And that doesn't mean that your family's evil. You just know them better than everybody else. You know, with your family, you have that thought. You know better than this. With other people, you can kind of give them a pass. Well, I don't know what you know. (laughs) With your family, though, it's like, hey, you know better than this. And yet we have to choose to walk in love. Another area would be this is living holy and pure before the Lord. I mean, the Bible gives us lots of instructions about living righteously, walking in holiness. And yet that can be challenging. If we try to do it in our own strength. That's why I believe in getting uh, scriptures and getting them before your eyes. Get some confessions. That's why we have our little love confession. Why? Because I want it before you. I want it where you see it. Where you're confessing it over yourself. I can, walk, I can believe the best of every person. My hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. I can endure everything without weakening because of God's love in me. I ain't trying to do this because it ain't going to work if this is just me. But I see a truth in Scripture that says that I'm supposed to love all people. God's Word gives me instructions on how to do it so I can do it. So it's not just, well, God's love loves all people. No, God's love in me. That's why I made it personal because I like to do that. I find, you know, I mean, I do it with all kinds of stuff. Take the Ephesians prayers. Lord, I think that my eyes are open, that I see the hope of my calling. I mean, I make it as personal as I can. Why? Because not only am I expressing the truth of God's word, but I'm inviting the grace of God to help me that will, that will accomplish that very truth in my life. And the same thing is true for you. I touched on this one a minute ago, but even in the areas of, of provision. But anytime that you have a challenge, you've got to go get God's word into that area of your life. If you need healing in your body. I mean, preferably, we already have God's Word hidden in our heart before the circumstance arises. But what do you do if something arises and you don't have God's Word? You go get God's Word. Why? Because God's truth brings about God's grace, God's ability to equip us to be everything that God wants us to be. So that we can actually walk in victory. Now let me read you one last verse here. We'll wrap this up. I'm going to read this out of the New King James Version. But it's 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to read you two verses. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. The Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy here and he says, All Scripture is inspired of God and is profitable for doctrine. So really doctrine is what? An understanding of God. For reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. So he says, look, all Scripture is inspired by God. God breathed it. God brought it about. 
Romans 4 verse 12 talks about that the Word of God is active. It's quick. That, hey, it goes all the way to tell you why you do what you do. It says it would separate the motives from the intents of your heart. So, I mean, it goes all the way. It's, it's an active ingredient in our life. And here, Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul says that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It's profitable. It's for your benefit. It's for your blessing. It is for, for, for correction, but it's pruning us. For instruction in what? How to live. Now I want you to read verse 17 with me. Not out loud, but you can read it up here on the screen. Here's the reason that God sent His Word. Here's God's ultimate goal when it comes to the Word. That the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. God sent His Word. He breathed upon the Word that He gave through people for that purpose. That we may be complete. Now, that word complete gives really the understanding of what soundness, wholeness, finished. And he didn't just stop there. He says that you would be thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, when we allow God's word to penetrate into our life, and when we relate to God's word properly, it brings about the will of God in our life. So this is the way I would say this. Kind of wrapping up this, this thought, if you will. But when we properly relate to God's Word, it will bring about His completeness, and ultimately we will be fully equipped by God's grace in our lives. That's God's ultimate goal for His Word in our life, is that we are complete, whole, sound. And that we are fully equipped, fully furnished to do everything that God has for us to do. God's Word will equip you to do everything God has, has for you to do. Like, well, how do I, how, you know, I, I've got these dreams and these desires. I've got these things that God stirs up in my heart. Well, how do I pursue those things? Pursue His Word. I mean, the Bible says about David that he was, what, a man after God's own heart. That's why he would worship and spend time. And we read many of the songs that he wrote. We call them the Psalms today. He was developed by the power of God. See, the same is true for us. And yet when we'll allow the Word to work the way that God wants it to, in other words, when we actually apply our faith to the Word, and we say, look, I may not have... And here's the neat thing about the Word. You don't have to understand every nuance about it for it to work for you. I can't say that I still... I don't even know if I've scratched the surface on understanding... Fully healing. But I am fully convinced that God will heal. I don't have to know every detail. I mean, I'm not a a, a car guy per se. But I don't have to know how that car... You know, I mean, there's some people in this room who could tell me exactly what happens when I turn that key. Power goes from here, it hits this, it does this, it spins this, it ignites this, and this happens here, and then this happens, and then the car cranks. This is what I know. I turn the key and the engine starts. I don't have to know how I got from point A, sitting in a vehicle, to now I have power to move. I don't have to know every detail. Now if I get stuck and that key turns and it don't crank, then I need to go find somebody who knows how all that works so they can fix it for me, right? 
And there are times, even spiritually speaking, that, hey, we may get stuck on something. Go find somebody and ask. Have a conversation. And I've been believing God, and it just seems like nothing's working. Of course, it's always fun when, after a little bit of conversation, they say, well, you're doing everything right. Just keep on going. That ain't what I came here for. I came here for you to tell me what I was doing wrong so I could fix it, so I could get my answer. And yet sometimes it's just a matter of sticking with it. Don't move away from your faith. Just keep believing. Keep speaking God's word over your life. Keep, keep believing God. Don't pull back. Don't draw off of those things that you've been believing God for. Why? Because it will produce. Amen. But we've got to relate to God's word properly. And we've got to understand exactly what it says here. Is that God has given his word by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it's profitable for us. It brings correction. It gives us instruction so that we would be complete and thoroughly equipped to do every good work that God would have for us. And that's true for you. It's, it, this is not rocket science. It's not. God made it pretty simple. But yet we have to actually apply God's word to our life. Exactly what Jesus says. If you love me, keep my commandment. Do what, do what scripture is leading you and, and instructing you to do. Why? Because every answer that we need is actually Contained in Scripture. There's nothing wrong with talking to people, but people ain't got your answer. I mean, that's what the apostle said when Jesus looked at him after the crowds had left him. He said, well, y'all going to leave me too? Peter responds and says, where else are we going to go? You alone hold the words of life. Jesus, where else am I going to go? This is it. I mean, think about Mary and Martha. Martha's busy and Mary comes and sits at the feet of Jesus. What does Jesus say to her? Martha, you're so concerned and busy about all this other stuff. But yet Mary has chosen the most choice thing. In other words, she's chose the best thing. What did she choose? The word made flesh. And what did Jesus say? And this will not be taken from her. Why? Because she chose the most important thing. Jesus was speaking that truth. Well, that truth awakens what? It awakens faith in our heart, but that enables God's grace to come alive in us too. And that's the way God works. That's the way the Word works in us. The Word produces in us, not by us, but for us. I'm not trying to create God's Word working in my life, but I do, I've got to engage my faith. So I can't just come and hear God's Word I can't just, you know, in a sense, go in one ear and out the other. That's not where it has the power. The power is when it gets into my heart. My faith begins to mix. Why? So that it will bring about the blessing that God wants. And it will be by God's work and by God's doing in our lives that we'll see Him do all that He wants to do for us. Amen.